Welcome to the Enlightening Motherhood Podcast. Here you will find a non-judgmental community offering support to mothers raising children with extra challenges. This community was created for you to empower moms who love their children deeply, but are also feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, or just plain stressed out. We are the place for moms who are sometimes feeling at the end of their rope and are looking for hope and light. Join us as we help you enlighten motherhood. Hello everyone, it's Emily. This week we're going to continue our conversation on sensory processing. We started this conversation last week. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend it. I don't think you'll be too lost for this week if you don't, but this week will make a lot more sense if you go back and listen to last week's episode first. I have that link in the show notes. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you run and listen to it really quick. Okay, so this week we're going to talk more about the specifics of sensory processing. Um, To begin with, kind of as an introduction for you, have you ever heard the phrase overstimulated or probably less common the phrase understimulated okay i've definitely heard the phrase overstimulated a lot have you ever stopped to consider that someone can also be understimulated and about what it means i mean i know i would totally say i was overstimulated today when my baby was fussy and like complaining at me because she couldn't have the ballpoint pen and draw on the wall with it. And my boys were acting out Pokemon and they were like bouncing around. My head felt like it was about to explode. And I sensed that overstimulation building up and I let them know, Hey, I need you to play outside right now. And they did. They went outside and it was, it turned out just fine. But, um, do we stop and think about when we might be feeling understimulated or when our child is understimulated and also the eight different areas that it might be possible. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to use an analogy a lot as I delve into this. The analogy is taking our different sensory preferences and calling them cups. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to use the phrase sensory cups. This is an analogy to explain how a person's sensory system might work. So just like a small cup can overflow really easily with just a little bit of input, or a huge cup might not be filled quickly at all with a little bit of input, you're going to need to give it a lot of input to get the same amount of fill in a big cup. A person's sensory system can also become very over or understimulated depending on the amount and type of sensory input they receive. So this is going to change depending on the sense, right? From person to person, and then depending on which eight of the eight senses um, is being over or understimulated, or in other words, what the cup size is for that person of that particular sense. Now, last week, We spoke more generally on what sensory processing is and why it matters, um, how it can feed into your child's big emotions. It's one of six areas that is often the root of your child's meltdowns. The other five areas 
I go into in my free mini training. You can access it at enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash freebies. Link is in the show notes. But in any case, um, this week, I'm going to delve more into the different sensory processing areas, I guess, the, the different senses. Now, as I said last week, we probably all grew up learning about our five senses, right? Um, but depending on who you ask, there's somewhere between eight and 15 senses, or some people say seven. But in any case, I like to go with this idea of eight different senses because it just makes the most sense to me. Now, as I go through these today, it might at first seem really heavy or technical. And if you, like me, <laughs> have a mind that sometimes um, is feeling overwhelmed or exhausted lately, at first it might attempt to like shut out this podcast episode or try to convince you to um, just block it all out. If you fight against it and you stick with me, you get past that initial overwhelm from all of the different senses then it's going to um, start to click and it will become easier and make sense. So I don't usually like to do this to give you something that's initially um, more difficult to understand, but I promise if you just stick it out a few minutes, if your brain does that, that it's going to be smooth sailing. Okay, so let's jump in. Okay, so our first sense that we're going to chat about is vision. Now, vision is pretty obvious. It's the sense of sight, um, but it's not always just what we see. When we're talking about sensory processing, we're talking about how our body is processing all of the different things that we can see, right? Um, we hear this idea often of being overstimulated or understimulated. And my favorite way to delve into that or to explain that is by using the analogy of a cup. And this is a super common analogy. Um, we all have sensory cups and um, some of us have a small cup in one area, a normal, I, I don't usually use that word normal, but here it is, <laughs> um, kind of like a medium-sized cup in another area and a really large cup in a final area. Now I'm gonna explain that more as we go through. And again, stick with me, it will all make sense in just a few minutes. So with vision, you or your child might have a really small sensory cup if um, things that you see can cause you to feel overwhelmed or overstimulation. And it can be in different areas. For example, for me, I'm fine with a lot of different bright colors. I'm fine with looking at different shapes and patterns. None of that really overstimulates me very much. But when there's flashing lights, um, I often find it overstimulating. If I'm like dancing or something and there's a strobe light, I'm okay because I'm working out <laughs> the, the overstimulation. But if I'm just sitting and my children are flickering lights off and on, it um, really sets me on edge. So I don't know, like I'm not going to self-diagnose my sensory preferences. I don't really know how we would describe my cup. I think it's kind of normal with vision, but just in that one area when it's related to um, light changes, feel like it's a little bit small because I feel like I, I'm set on edge pretty quickly. Um, in, in some children, maybe they're seeking more input. Maybe they really like the bright sunlight or other visual um, stimulation. And so in this case, we would say that they have a large visual sensory cup. Okay. Is this making sense? Hope so. Okay. So I will bring up more examples as we go on. 
but I do want to talk about each of these eight senses first. So the second sense that we're going to talk about is hearing. The sense of sound, right, is hearing. And um, in children, they might have like a preference for music or they might have a heightened sensitivity to loud noises. Um, they might have hearing preferences. I think a lot of us do. We like certain types of music often and we don't really care for other types of music. This is a natural thing. There's some people that like every single type of music. And um, I don't know if this is a sensory preference or not. Uh, it could be a nature versus nurture argument. I know that there's some music that I didn't used to care for that now I like quite a bit, different types of music. And so um, I don't know if that would be a sensory processing difference. But what I do know <laughs> is that I have a small auditory cup. Now, this is interesting because I'm a musician. I played in ensembles that are loud. I love dancing. I love working out at the gym with like blaring music. And, um, but that's all kind of organized sound, right? And when I'm dancing, I'm also working off that stimulation. And when I'm playing with an ensemble, I'm expecting all of those loud noises. They're kind of this like orderly loud input. When my children are talking to each other in extremely loud voices that we could maybe say is yelling, they're not really angry, they're just like being super loud and they're right by me, it like sets me on edge really fast. <laughs> um, even if they're not fighting or being having any contention at all, it um, it's something that realizing for me was really key in overcoming my yelling tendency, which I've talked about in a previous podcast episode. Some children don't like it when it's too quiet. And I've worked with kids like this, though. If we're sitting there, they're like, oh, Miss Emily, can you turn on music? It's just too quiet for me, right? They probably have a large auditory or hearing cup because if they're feeling under-stimulated when there's not enough input for their hearing sense. Okay. Is this making sense? I really hope so. Okay. We'll just move on. I'm just going to guess that you're understanding the analogy now and we can smooth sail a little bit more. Okay. Uh, the third sense that we're going to talk about is touch. Now touch includes, um, you know, obviously physical sensations, pressure, temperature, pain, Children might have a small touch cup if um, they don't really want to be held super tight, hugged super tight, or they don't really like it when you rub their back a lot. Like, okay, that was enough. You can leave me alone now. Um, it might also manifest in small ways. Like I have one child that doesn't mind tight hugs. He doesn't mind people sitting close to him, but he is very particular with textures. So he has a small touch cup when it comes to things that are in his mouth right he never had a problem with chewing on random things never chewed on fingernails never put like beyond the toddler stage never was putting things in his mouth and he struggles with eating certain foods not because of their taste but because of the texture he has a really small touch cup when it comes to his mouth I have another child that I've talked about that has a very large touch cup when it comes to his mouth he is constantly putting things in his mouth although he's no longer a toddler he you know 
Um, we often think that maybe he should be out of that stage, but that's how he prefers to process. He feels very understimulated if there's not something in his mouth for his senses to process in there. Um, he has never once complained about a food texture ever. He's very much not a picky eater. And so it's interesting to see the two opposites there. And this can manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, kids that don't like to wear certain clothes. Um, it is so easy for us to look at a child and I definitely worked with a kid like this before that could not wear certain clothes without getting really grumpy and we could look at them and be like what is wrong like that shirt is not scratchy why are you saying it's scratchy it's just fine and just you know get over it um but I would want for you to think if you think that that's fine like I don't think anything's wrong with you but I love to spin perspectives and give you a paradigm shift so how would you feel if you were to move to a new community where everybody was wearing burlap and it was not like you had uh, underclothes to keep a layer in between you and the burlap. It was like right against your skin, but it was what everybody in that community wore. And you maybe have to go to a school. Okay, this is a horrible analogy, but stick with me. Let's just imagine you have to go to a school and the uniform is that you have to wear this burlap and you wear it and you just find it so irritating. How would you feel sitting in that school wearing this burlap? I am guessing it would be really hard to pay attention to whatever your teacher was saying. You probably wouldn't even care about the schoolwork. You might get really agitated with your peers very fast because you're just stuck in this super uncomfortable, itchy burlap right? And no matter how much people say, just get over it. Maybe you could, maybe you could do a mind over matter, but maybe you're a child that hasn't even learned that mind over matter yet, or you haven't had someone connect the dots for you. Like, Hey, you're feeling really upset right now because you're wearing burlap. How could we get through this? Right? You just have people saying, get over it. Right? Um, that's how some children feel wearing certain textures. And there are a lot of things we can do to work with them on that. I'm not a specialist with sensory processing. If, um, you know, and I'll mention this at, at the end, with any of these, if you do want professional help with sensory processing differences or preferences, I recommend you seek out a reputable occupational therapist, an OT. Um, I'm sure that there are bad ones out there, but personally for me, in all of my experience, working with children and in education. And as a mom, I've not actually ever met an OT that I don't like, which says something because I've worked with a lot of different people. Um, I'm sure that they're out there. So, you know, do your own research, but I have really enjoyed them. And I believe that my children have, and the children I've worked with have always benefited from their interactions with an OT. Okay. In any case, um, going back to this idea of touch, there's a lot of different ways, just like um, with text, you know, with textures in the mouth being one way that a child can have a small touch cup, maybe the kind of material that's against their skin, they might have a small touch cup if they can't handle certain materials. Okay. And so um, meeting them where they're at, there are definitely things you can do and tools you can learn once you figure out your child's preferences to help them better handle those differences. But realizing what they are is a really good starting place. Okay, sensory area number four that we are delving into, taste. Um, we know what taste is, obviously. And in children, this can manifest as a strong preference for certain types of foods. 
right? Or um, maybe they, this could also be like kids putting things into their mouth, not because they want that touch input, but maybe they want to just see what it tastes like. They're constantly craving a different taste. Um, what do you call it? Input, sensory input for their mouth, right? Um, some, and, and this might be easy for you to see. Some people don't like anything that tastes fishy. And other people are totally fine with fishy tasting things. And again, this could be learned. It could be this, like, if you grow up in a community that's always eating fish, chances are you're going to learn to be okay with fish. But um, that is just an example for us. Okay. Number five, smell. The sense of smell um, is one that's also really interesting. Um <laughs> I, I totally, I'm sorry for the pause. I totally got distracted as I was talking about smell. I remembered one of the times that I had COVID and completely losing my sense of smell. And when it did start to come back, how excited I was to smell a dirty diaper. <laughs> because it had been so long since I had my sense of smell. I was really excited to get it back. <laughs> okay. Thanks for going down that random rabbit hole with me. Let's head back to, <laughs> let's head back to what we were doing. Um, I think this is really easy for us to see and imagine that some people might be more sensitive to smells, um, like maybe perfumes or strong spices or um, flowers, that they're really sensitive to it. And a little bit of scent will go a long way, whereas there's other people that can be around things with a very strong and very intense scent, and it doesn't really bother them as much, right? It's because there's different sized sensory cups there. Okay, sensory area number six. And I hope I'm saying this right. Proprioception. Okay, proprioception is um, a sense that we weren't really taught in school growing up, at least most of us, even me with my educational background. I may have learned this in my educational psychology class. I kind of think that I should have. But it wasn't something that I remembered until recent years when I started looking more into what sensory processing is and how it could help me and my children as I come to understand it more. Okay, so proprioception is the sense of body awareness. So this includes the ability to sense one's position in space and the movement of one's body. Okay, so... I'm not sure, again, I'm not an expert here. I'm just doing like internet research and going off of what occupational therapists have told me. They would be the expert, but I do have a child that has sensory processing differences in this area. And this child, um, often, it, like we would label him clumsy, right? Or maybe even absent-minded or... Um, to, like uncoordinated but what it really is is a lack of body awareness so his brain doesn't sense very well like it it has a, a map of the body all of our brains do they map where our body is and that's why when we're walking we know how much to move our body out of the way to walk around something and not run into it this child runs into things often this child also will like fall out of chairs or when they're playing with a friend, maybe they're play fighting. My kids love to play fight Minecraft. It's not my favorite thing for them to do, but they love to do it. I remember one day he had a friend over for a play date and he punched the friend in the head and he felt 
horrible. He just started crying. And of course I, like this was years ago before I understood that he had sensory processing differences and I instantly wanted to punish him. And I like took him away from his friend. And how could you do that to your friend? And he was just crying, mom, I didn't mean to punch him in the head. I didn't know his head was right there. I didn't know that my hand would hit his head. (laughs) And so once I actually understood that it was a total accident, that was the beginning of like a game changer for me in parenting this child, understanding he truly did not mean to hit that kid in the head. And thankfully that it wasn't like serious damage. It was just play fighting. And I was able to talk to the kid, cleared it up with the mom. We smoothed the situation over. Um, But that kind of behavior um, is because of a sensory processing difference in the area of proprioception. And so this child, I work with him a lot on helping his brain figure out the map of where his body is. So things like getting in front of a full length mirror and seeing what his body does while he's moving it. Um, Putting on like uh, helping him jump up and down on a trampoline, wearing a heavy backpack. He really does well with weighted blankets, squeezing him tight, Um, not too tight, but like really big bear hugs, all of those things. I, under the direction of the occupational therapist, I try to do those often with him to help his brain kind of remap where um, all of the different parts of his body are in the space that they take up and become more aware of it. So this is why I said like going to an occupational therapist is a good idea if any of these things are relating or you think your child might benefit. I am not affiliated with any of them. I'm not getting a kickback from anyone. I'm just telling you this because I feel like it's an underutilized resource for our children with intense emotions. Okay. Um, You may also have a kid with um, a different sized cup in this area if like they seem to be expertly aware of their body and they might... um, be naturally really good at like climbing, jumping, getting through small spaces without touching them. Um, It's kind of that child is on the opposite um, in terms of their abilities to utilize this sense more appropriately. Okay. Um, The next one, number seven, we're talking about, it's another sense that isn't quite as commonly taught. And I hadn't heard it again until a few years ago. Or if I had, it was in an educational psychology class that was so many years ago that I had forgotten it because I don't think I had used it. Anyways, this sense is called vestibular. So the vestibular sense has to do with balance and spatial orientation. Okay, so this um, helps someone to maintain their balance and coordinate movements. Now, obviously, um, my child that falls out of chairs also has a difference in... um, their sensory uh, processing with vestibular. And so (laughs) that poor child has a double whammy. They struggle to kind of naturally be aware of exactly where their body is and to have a balance and spatial orientation with it. So um, your child might have sensory processing differences with their vestibular sense. If they tend to swing or spin a lot, like they're constantly looking for that input, chances are that they have a really big cup in this. If they're looking for a lot of input for balance, for swinging, for spinning, for moving around and having that spatial orientation remapping itself, they might have a really big sensory cup here. 
right? If they have a tendency to fall down a lot or to trip or to lose their balance, they might have some sensory processing differences there. And again, I can't absolutely not diagnose your child for any of these. I'm just giving you ideas of things to look out for, okay? And things to become aware of with your child. Okay, number eight. Um, this, oh, I love this word and I loved learning about this sense. It is interoception. Now I brought this up before, I'll bring it up again because I love this sense. This is the awareness of your internal sensations. So what are those vibrations that are going on in your body? Um, some children might be especially susceptible to those internal vibrations. Like, um, they only kind of need to use the bathroom a little bit, but they feel like they need to use it a lot, right? Or they might just be like a little bit thirsty, but they really want that water right now because they feel that thirst more intensely. They have a really small cup for interoception. There are other kids that maybe have a huge cup. They don't quite realize that they're getting hungry. They don't even realize that they're getting thirsty until they're like really thirsty, right? They might not even realize. I have... um. A kid like this, this kid doesn't even realize that he's getting sick until he's like throwing up. And then he's like, oh, I guess I was sick because he has such a big interoception cup that he can handle those um, internal bodily sensations very like without them causing him a lot of distress. Super fascinating, isn't it? That we can have all of these different ways of processing our world. And so whenever I talk a lot about how very unique our children are and how very unique we are this is just one of many examples for why because there are so many different ways that we are interpreting our world subconsciously with our senses and it makes total sense why we would want to personalize all of our parenting tools and all that we do to meet the needs of our children and also us as parents right this is something I talk about a lot in my Confidently Momming Mastermind when we're creating your parenting toolbox and I'm helping you build that and I'm working with you to lay that foundation. It is personalized to you, right? It is absolutely personalized to you. By the way, I love interoception to use it to help with processing emotions. When you're feeling an emotion, to pause and think about what your body is feeling and the sensations going on inside of it. Super fascinating. If you haven't listened to my podcast episode on um, processing negative emotions, let me see. I'll pull that up here and get you an episode number. Okay. It is episode number 37, processing negative emotions. I talk a bit about this in there. Um, using your interoception, tapping into that as a tool to better understand what's going on and um, be able to better handle those negative emotions, not necessarily get rid of them, but be able to handle them. And by the way, I do this with so many different children. I teach them how to handle those sensations of the negative emotions. Very powerful thing in teaching your child emotional resilience. Okay, I hope that wasn't too much of a digression for you there. Now, before I close up, I do want to talk now. I've, I've spoken a lot about sensory processing differences, big cups, small cups. I even use the word normal to describe a medium cup. Um, I want to be really careful now um, 
that you don't think that what I'm saying is that if your child has any sort of sensory processing difference, that it automatically means that they have sensory processing disorder. Okay, now sensory processing disorder, also known as SPD, is definitely, um, it's a complex disorder that requires a comprehensive evaluation by a healthcare professional with specialized training in sensory, in sensory processing. It's actually sometimes really hard to find someone that's willing to evaluate your child for sensory processing disorder. And there's even debate by a lot of people as to whether or not this is a thing that should be diagnosed. Okay. Um, I am totally unable to diagnose your child or you. And so if you think that your child might have sensory processing disorder, you're welcome to go and get evaluated for it. Um, if it doesn't really matter to you or you don't think so, like I'm not even encouraging that. I just want you to make sure to know that I'm not saying that because there are sensory processing differences that automatically you're going to have SPD. Okay. That is something that I don't even know the qualifications for between just having sensory processing differences and actually having SPD. I don't even know the qualifications for that. Okay. And so, um, I'm not even going to go there in this episode. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that you know that I'm not, not trying to say something that I didn't say, right? <laughs> okay, let's move on now. Here are five reasons why I think that this is good for you as a mom to know. Okay, so five short reasons why I believe that understanding the concepts of sensory processing and sensory cups can be super beneficial for you as a mom. Number one, because you have an improved understanding of your child's behavior, right? It is always good to get to know our child and what makes them tick and what's behind their behaviors, their emotions, what's driving them. Getting to know our children is an amazing thing. Okay, number two, improved understanding of yourself. Maybe I should have made that number one. I usually do that first. We can switch them. <laughs> but anyways, um, it's a wonderful, great thing to get to understand yourself and why you are the way that you are. Not that anything's wrong with you, right? But just understanding what makes you different from other people because we should all be different. It would be really weird. This is what I, this is what I tell my students all the time. It would be incredibly weird if all of us were the same. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be different and kind of feels empowering for me, at least to understand my differences. Okay, reason number three, this can lead you to finding more effective strategies for helping your child, right? Um, and we talked about that a bit in the last episode. Okay, reason number four, this goes right along with understanding them. You can have increased empathy and support for your child. I love getting to understand my child and having more empathy and seeing more things from their point of view, kind of like that burlap example that I gave you. Um, it's really easy for us when we don't have the perspective of our child and we don't have the same sensory preferences as our child and same whatever to just discredit their experience. But when we stop and think of it more from their perspective and what's going on for them, right? Realizing that they're their own person, it's really empowering and it strengthens our relationship with them a lot. Okay. And reason number five is, of course, 
it gives you a good starting spot for helping your child thrive, right? One of many, which is something I am also all about. Um, the learning your child's sensory processing preferences isn't going to suddenly cure all of their problems. <laughs> I don't think so, at least maybe, maybe there are some kids that it would, but I kind of doubt it. Um, but it is like, it is one piece to the puzzle, right? And um, it's a really good starting point if you haven't considered it before. Okay, so in summary, sensory processing refers to the way the brain receives, processes, and organizes sensory information from, from the environment. As we said in the last podcast episode, we have this neuroception that is constantly scanning for potential threats. And sensory processing is one of the ways that you're um, constantly scanning for those threats. You're using your senses to sense if things aren't quite right. Um, there are a lot of different senses. <laughs> um, we brought up eight in this podcast episode, the typical five senses plus the, um, oh goodness, I lost what that one was again. Let me find my notes. The proprioception, vestibular, and interoception. Plus, we delve, we went deeper into each of those three senses. Okay. Um, and I really do believe that understanding these concepts can help us as parents because we can better understand our child, better understand ourselves, help our child thrive, have a better relationship. All of these things are wonderful. Okay. If you found this helpful, feel free to text it to a friend. This is something that we hear thrown around a lot, sensory processing, overstimulated, understimulated, but we don't actually get to the nitty gritty of it. So that's what I've tried to do in this podcast episode. Take a minute just to text it to a friend. Hey, I listened to this podcast and I think you might love it too. You don't have to say it that way. You might also say, I think your child might love you listening to it. <laughs> you don't have to say it that way either, but go ahead and share it. Um, I know it's something I definitely wish that I would have learned about a long time ago. Okay. Have a beautiful day. Having a child that is no longer a toddler and yet still melting down can be so frustrating. We often think that they should have outgrown it by now, but they haven't. If you can relate at all, then my masterclass, Managing Kids Meltdowns, is for you. In just one hour, I will walk you through four proven steps to empower your child to have less meltdowns so you can have a better relationship with your child, more peace at home, and can more effectively teach your child the skills that they need to thrive. Reserve your spot by visiting enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash meltdowns. See you there. <laughs>